This is KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna, listener-supported public radio for the central Kenai Peninsula. You're tuned into the Kenai Conversation. I'm Riley Board. This year, the Kenai Peninsula's local baseball team will celebrate 50 years. The Peninsula Oilers collegiate summer baseball team was founded in 1974 and competes in the Alaska Baseball League. In early March, the team will honor the anniversary with a fundraiser dinner. Today, we're joined by the team's general manager, Derek Foote, to talk about his role, the history of the team, the upcoming season, the business side of the Oilers, and the 50th anniversary celebration. Stay tuned. And I'll start today by having my guest introduce himself. Hi, my name is Derek Foote. I'm the uh, current general manager for the Peninsula Oilers baseball team here in Kenai. And why don't you tell us a little bit about how long you have been managing the team and, and what brought you to that role? Uh, I moved to Alaska uh, seven years ago. My family had an oil and gas company up here. I was running for them. Uh, this job came open and you know I have over 30 years of baseball at professional level uh, in my family and we've owned minor league teams in North Carolina and this just seemed like something that would fit real good with something I knew how to do and would keep me here in Alaska with my new wife that wanted to stay a little longer so uh, we've been doing that since I got hired in March so I've been hadn't been quite a year but <clears throat> getting close yeah was it you know was it a just a coincidence that you ended up living in a place that that had a team that was looking for a manager? Yeah, I mean, I I had sold some indoor baseball facilities in North Carolina to move up here uh, to take over the business for my father. Uh, and I really didn't think Alaska was going to be a place that brought me back to baseball, but it just seems like if, you know, with the, my last name being Foote and my dad's Barry Foote and my granddad's Amby Foote, it just seems like baseball finds us. Wherever we go, it always finds us. And this is a good situation for the Oilers to have somebody that's a baseball person to be able to help them out. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about your your family's history with baseball. Do you want to fill us in on, on who your grandfather and father were for yeah, those who might grand, not be aware? My grandfather was Ambie Foote. He played, was a pitcher, third baseman in the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Brooklyn Dodgers organization. Uh, my father was Barry Foote. He was a first-round pick out of high school in 1970. He played 10 years in the major leagues, five years as a coach in the major leagues, 20 years, 25 years as a professional manager and coach and player in professional baseball. Uh, I was drafted out of high school in 1994 by the Atlanta Braves and played seven years in their organization and then uh, went into teaching kids, owning indoor facilities to teach kids and I've uh, probably had 50 guys get 
scholarships, five guys be drafted out of my organization. So baseball has been something that I knew when I was very small, it was probably a good chance I was going to be able to do. So did you ever envision a path for yourself that wasn't related to baseball or did that just feel like in your DNA? You know, it's always been there. You know, I've had a lot of opportunities uh, having a father that was around me. I was raised in a major league clubhouse. So I got to hang around with guys like Bo Jackson and, and star athletes my whole life. Uh, growing up with other players, you know, Adam LaRoche was, well, I grew up with him. He was the first baseman, made lots of money, was a very good player in the major leagues. His dad was Dave LaRoche, and that's my dad, one of my dad's best buddies, and they play with the Yankees together. So we ran around clubhouses as kids, you know, forever, and it just kind of seemed like when I figured out I was – pretty good at baseball then it really is. I said well this is probably going to be a path that I'm going to be able to take and once I got past 13 there was no doubt that that was going to be the path. Hmm. And what was the transition like from playing to to teaching? It it takes a long time because when you get into teaching even coaching you feel like you're still a player and not a coach and sometimes you have to bring it back to reality and say hey look you know you're teaching now. You're not playing anymore, so you you could tone it back a little bit. And it took a took some time to figure that out. And uh, but I've enjoyed teaching. I like teaching the kids. I like uh, the effort the kids put in. And and I think we do a really good job. And you know, I tell the kids in this all the time. You know, you, we have to build confidence with the kids. And uh, I was not lacking any confidence as a player, so I carry that over to being you know, coaching them. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and then in terms of your experience so far with the Oilers, what has it been like coaching this particular team? How has that compared to your, or managing this team? How has that compared to your past experiences elsewhere in the country? Well, this has been a totally different thing. This is an off the field, you know, this is dealing with the, uh, the, the business side of baseball. Uh, this is totally new. I've enjoyed it. It's been a, you know, a little different to, you know, go watch a ball game and not have to have an input into the game. But we have our coach, Larry McCann, he does a great job. And I'm the biggest critic on, you know, how the game's supposed to be played and how it's supposed to be played right. And I think he does a really good job. And I get along with him real good. And he asked for my input on things. I try, I said, look, I'm not, I tell the kids when they get here, I can help you if you want. I'm not going to push. I'm not getting in the way. If you guys want to come to me and got a question, I can answer it. But Larry does a good job of that, and I think this league is – this was the premier league when I got drafted in 1994. It was the Cape Cod League was the East Coast, and the Alaska League was the West Coast. And it's kind of gotten a little watered down with different things going on in the world with, with baseball leagues. But we're trying to get it back to where it used to be, and it's still a very competitive league. Lots of guys get drafted out of this league. So this is a league where guys are looking to move forward and play professionally one day. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by what you said about sort of being on the business side of things now and sometimes having to like being at a game and not being able to give input. What has that been like for you to to go to games and not be in you know in charge of the plays but have to have to take a very tough a different role? <laughs> it's very tough. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, my wife comes to a lot of games and and she sits with me you know when I'm when I'm able to sit and talk to her and. She says, this drives you crazy sometimes. I say, yeah, I see things, you know, because I see the game. It's just like, you know, whatever people do for a living. You see it enough and you have a different look than people are just watching it as, you know, entertainment, you know, and it's, 
I have to sit there and just bite my tongue a lot of times to in my, in my brain. But, you know, I go over those. If I see the guys doing something that's just ridiculous, I'll tell Larry and say, hey, what are we doing here? You know, and he'll, he's been real, real good about that. And we fix it so they learn. You know, I had one of the coaches say, I learned more talking to you for 30 minutes this year than I did the whole season, you know, just learning about the game, you know. And I, I offer that to anybody who wants to talk to me, but I don't push it. You know, it, that's been tough. Is this is this your first job ever working more on the business side than than on the game side? First ever. You know, I was raised around the Carolina Mudcats, which was a team my father owned. Uh, it's I was able to see we had a general manager there named Joe Kramer. And Joe Kramer was a great general manager. He was there for 30 some years and he's been a real backdrop for me if I need something. Uh, I can just give him a call, you know, if I need to, what, what are you guys charging for this? And, you know, where, what should we be doing here? And he's been outstanding, you know, but growing up with that, you know, you kind of see that side and being a player, you hear things you aren't on really into the business side, but you, you know, what fans are doing, you know, what sponsors are doing, you see them out there and different things. And it's just been, you know, understanding how to run a team, you know, it's kind of been, we have a board, so our board is kind of in charge of, you know, making sure everything's in line. But uh, it's been it's been interesting. Do you think having a background in the sport is necessary to being a good general manager? Do you think there's sort of different different pathways to that role? Well, in the major leagues, if you look at it, there's a lot of guys that were ex-players that are major leaguers, but you also have the very smart Harvard, Yale, Ivy League guys that – are smart, you know, and that, I don't know which is better, you know, it just depends on who you are and what you like. And I know some of the guys that are up there now are really, really, really smart. And, uh, but I always go back to something, you know, my dad taught me a long time ago is it doesn't hurt to have a background in something that you're trying to be involved in. In, in this particular league, what would you say the norm is in terms of, in terms of the leadership of the teams? When you say the norm in the leadership, tell me what you mean. <laughs> um, what sort of background do do the general managers of most most teams in this league? Uh, you know, I really don't know. I, I know the guy, the Matsu Miners, Pete. He is really good. He he has the blueprint for the league. Uh, he really does a good job down there. He's they draw a tremendous amount of people. They got a nice field. They have a nice setup. They have a great board. Uh, great sponsors it really reminded me when i went there of going to a minor league game it really you know he's drawing a thousand people a game which is a lot for this league you know and so he does a really good job but he's been there 20 years so you know that experience of how to you know and i and i've i've talked with him i've taken him in as kind of a, a mentor type guy uh to try to help me you know figure some things out because you know it's to, to nobody's fault you know when people aren't don't you know, a lot of people that are involved in our organization don't really know anything about baseball. So, and it's not their fault. They're just looking, they're, they're here to help, you know? So we're having me to help them is, is good for the, for the organization. And I think a lot of the other GMs are glad that I was hired because the more baseball people you get involved, the better, you know, the, the league will be. Well, jumping back to something you mentioned earlier about the general competitiveness of this league and and sort of being the West Coast premier competitive league. Is that sort of what you were getting at earlier? Can you give me a sense of where the Oilers fit into that 
into that scheme. Yeah, you know, I would have to look at the exact number, but I think we've had 30 guys go to the major leagues that have played for the Oilers. Uh, We have had in the last five years, we have probably the number one pitching prospect in all of minor league baseball, Drew Thorpe, who came through here. Uh, he got tra- he was in the trade with uh, San Diego. He played for the Yankees in the minor league. He was a minor league pitcher of the year last year. And uh, he's got a really bright future. He just came through here, so that's a big one for us to have. And from all I hear, he's a great kid. And uh, he's got tremendous upside if he stays healthy. There's just no telling how good he can be. But, uh, you know, with the guys that come through here, I don't know how many, I'd say 100 probably would have to be a number of guys that have been drafted and made it to the big leagues at, in some way, shape, or form, you know. I think I read 115 in an article. Is that yeah. is that all-time number? Yeah. yeah. What is the process of getting, of putting together the team, like, of of recruiting folks to come in and be a part of the Oilers. It's tough. It's tough because we're in Alaska, you know, and, and it's, it's, it really falls back on the coach. You know, the coach has that he's going to be the one looking at players. He's from California. Uh, if we could ever get ourselves in a really good financial situation where we could afford to send me out to places, but I have called some guys that I know from North Carolina and the, the East coast and, we're working on some guys from North Carolina State, some pitchers, and uh, we've got two players from Marshall University, which is in West Virginia. So we're getting towards the the East Coast and getting those guys back coming over here because really this – if you're a real prospect, you're going to play in the Cape Cod League. You're looking to get drafted next year or the following year. What we really would like to have is the sophomores that, that are looking for innings, the incoming freshmen that are looking for innings to pitch. So you're still getting that high-caliber player – but you're just you're not going to get the draftable guys that are they're going to go play in the Cape Cod League because that's where all the scouts go because it's it, it, we have scouts and you know we had four or five this year come up and I talked to all of them and we're here to see players and they come here you know I told guys a long time ago my students I said hey look if you can play you can't hide there's not a there's not a conspiracy out there there's a bunch of players that can't that are really really good that didn't get a chance so uh, but. This is a good league. I think, you you know, if you want to start here, if you're a West Coast guy, you definitely want to play here. Plus, you got the the experience of Alaska, which you can't beat. You know, it's really hard to beat. A lot of guys, they they have to be – we have to have an understanding that this is coming to play baseball, not a vacation. So, that's hard to get through their head sometimes. But once we get it there, they're, they're good to go. Yeah, summer <clears throat> in Alaska is kind of – kind of irresistible <laughs> it's it's the best place in the whole wide world from about mid-april till about october 15th and after that it's rough <laughs> it's rough here yeah so so college baseball players are coming here more likely between like after their freshman year after their sophomore year of college and then are maybe looking to go into the Cape Cod League during their later years of college when they're more more draftable. Yeah, age. when they get get close to being drafted is when, you know, you your superstar, you know, college guys, they're going to go to the Cape Cod League because you're going to face other superstars over there and you see how good you really are. Uh but I will say that the competition here there's nothing wrong with it. You know, there's those guys here that throw 90 miles an hour, 95 miles an hour, so there's prospects in this league here. Some guys 
also don't want to go all the way to the East Coast. You know, they'd rather stay closer to home because we have we have quite a few West Coast players here. But we do get we're working on some East Coast guys to get them the the experience up here and the competitions. That's the big thing. The kids say the competition is really good, so that's a that's a good thing. Yeah, what's what's the age range that we're talking here for most of your players? Eighteen to twenty-one, you know, right in there. That's that's a, the basic, basically where they're at. Got it. And what what state are most people coming from? What are the most, you know, what are the states that produce most of California most being the West? Okay, yeah, yeah, California. Yeah. You know, you have your big states, which is you produce your best players is Florida, Texas, California, you know, for some reason, you know, bigger states. So yeah, obviously, but Florida always puts up really good players because they, they have good weather to play all the time. But, uh, you know, North Carolina puts some good players out there too. We've got several in the major leagues from North Carolina right now. So You're tuned into the Kenai Conversation, where we're talking to Peninsula Oilers General Manager Derek Foote about the process of putting together the team. Stay tuned. I know that part of the process for bringing these younger players from out of state is the process of finding host families to board them for the season. What is, what is that like, and, and how involved are you in that in we, that part of the process? Yeah, we have a, a housing director named Jessica Smalls who does a really good job. Uh, it, it's it's tougher here uh, to get families to take players. Uh, especially in the summer because, you know, people, you know what people want to do here in the summer. They want to fish and, and camp and, you know, you're, you're having to look after kids and that's, it's a great, I, I'm overwhelmed that people will do it, you know, that, cause you know, I, when I played professionally, we had host families, but you know, you didn't really want to stay with a host family. You know, you want to have your own apartment and get out on your own. And it's just a really, you know, a lot of the Latin players, Dominican players would have host families that came over here 17 years old playing pro ball. And it's just always amazed me that a family would take some people in, especially ones that don't speak any English and, and feed them and take care of them and, you know, provide a good warm house for them. And it's, it's, it's shocking that, that people are willing to do that. And it's quite a blessing for us. Yeah. It sounds like it's more than just providing a room. It's feeding and maybe providing transport for some level what level of commitment is it for, no, for a family to it's take it's huge in? commitment it's it's you know they feed them uh they'll allow them to drive their vehicles you know it's a it's, it's a lot of it, it's a lot of stress on the on the family you know to do this stuff but we've had them the families have been doing it for years have done a heck of a job uh we're always looking for new families we're looking right now for new families uh we have one of our new coaches this year is coming out of Arkansas and uh, he's coming up and he's looking for like a cabin type place for him and his wife because she's going to be able to work from home. So we're looking for definitely looking for host families. Yeah, I mean, in general, this this is a hard place to find housing, especially seasonally. So that's yeah interesting. Yeah. And you and you mentioned there's a lot of returning families who do this over the years. Do you have folks who've been doing it like the whole 
We've had folks the have whole been time. doing. I don't know about the whole time, you know, yeah. it's been 50 years, uh, but we have families that have been doing it, you know, multiple years. So it's, you know, there's been, they enjoy it. You know, they do the Brown Bears hockey team here too. They, we have families right now that have hockey players there. As soon as they leave, the baseball players are coming in. So, I mean, you're talking about a huge commitment from the families. I mean, you know, they get a real connection with the player. They, when they leave, I've seen families, you know, crying and, you know, they really get a, emotionally attached to the players which is good because then they can follow them and see where they go yeah do most players spend just one season with the team usually one we do have local players that we allow we're allowed to have four local players to play with us this year uh we have mose hayes who's from homer and he's been i think this is his fourth year he's gonna play with us which is really nice for him you know being close at home and having this league so and he does a good job for us, and he's more than welcome to play for us until he ages out. So he's, but he he lives in Homer and drives up, so he's he's put in a lot of miles and a lot of time. But he does a good job. Do you currently have four like a full set of four local players? We don't. Him? We don't. We we have uh, Moses going to be on our team this year. We have another kid that's a possibility, and then I have a high school kid that I have promised that if he can prove to me that he's good enough to play this spring, that I got a spot for him to play this summer. So hmm. uh, I'm hoping that'll work out. I think he's good enough to do it. He's a good athlete. He's big. He's very athletic. So we'll see how, let's see if he can hold his end and do put up some numbers so I can bring him. Cause I really want to have him. Interesting. So are these local players probably not interested in, major leagues and and are just looking for an opportunity to play at a higher level locally or or are they interested in the same stepping stone process that maybe the other players are well you have to look at it kind of like this is is if you're going to come up here and play 42 games in 50 days basically 55 days you're you know that's getting pretty serious about it. You know, you're looking for more, you know, cause it's really baseball has changed so much. There's not much development of, you know, understanding the game and fundamentals has really gone away because they, nobody practices anymore. So we, this used to be called a developmental league. And I had the question last year, I said, well, when does the developmental stuff start? You know, and you don't have time, you know, when you're playing that many games, that's why, Guys are in spring training right now as we speak in the major leagues, and they are they're working from eight o'clock in the morning for four hours before they play a nine inning game in the afternoon, and all that time is fundamental stuff. And then they don't take infield anymore in baseball, which is a big. I, I hate that because I think when I was playing, my dad was playing, grandpa it, taking infield was a big thing for scouts because a scout you know, for a trade or something, they want to get some information on you. They may not get to see you throwing a game or get to see you running a game. And that's the time they could do that. And they don't do that anymore. And that's, I wish we could get back to that, but times have changed and the world is changing. So, but I, you know, we, we do do some bunt situation stuff. I did help them with that a little bit last year, but we, uh, we'd like to see it get more developmental, but you'd have to have people to come in here that, you know, understand the game to teach it. Got it. Well, as obviously, as we've talked about, you've been with the Oilers for less than a year. You've been in this area for about seven years, but this is the the 50th anniversary of the team. Can you tell us a little bit about 
what that means with that celebration will will look like yeah we we were i was shocked when they told me that when they hired me that next year would be our 50th anniversary that's that's unbelievable if you really think i've been here 50 years um that's hard to believe that a team has been in alaska for 50 years we have developed a 50 year anniversary logo that we're going to put on the hats uh we're trying to figure out how we want to the people that are still around here that started the Oilers, Mike Baxter, he was one of the original founders of the Oilers. He's been here 50 years and, uh, he's just retired off the board and, but we want to try to do something to honor him. You know, he was the one that brought the team and has had a lot of, he's been involved in it till this year. So, uh, we're having a 50th anniversary fundraiser, uh, March 9th. And, uh, we're having, you know, all the things you would think a fundraiser would have when we can go over more of that when, when you're ready. But, uh, that's going to be something that we're looking forward to, to, to get the people involved around here and let them know that we're in our 50th year. So we're trying to do the best we can on a limited budget. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love to talk about the fundraiser, but maybe before that, what you know? What do you know about the the history, the founding of of the Oilers? The the things that I know that I've heard and I've talked to people about. I know the first game we ever played was against the Fairbanks Gold Panners. That was the first game we ever played, and we had it on our schedule. I had put it on our schedule this year. We were going to play the Gold Panners. They aren't in our league anymore. They're in a different league. We're trying to bring them back to the league for twenty twenty five. Uh, I have a relationship with John Lorkey up there and, uh, he does a good job with the gold panners and, uh, the schedule just didn't quite work out. We had it on our schedule, but they didn't have enough players It's early because when they come out of college, they're either, you know, still playing college world series stuff or finishing up finals. So they don't all get here at once. So we ran into a player had not having enough players. So we had to cancel that. But, uh, as far as the 50th, 50 years, I think it's the same ballpark. It's been there for 50 years with some improvements. Uh, the playing surface, I know it's the same. It's it, it needs some updating, and we're working on trying to get that. But, you know, as far as a, it's got a lot of, you know, I, I, I hear it used to have a roof that blew off. So we don't have a roof anymore. But, you know, in the summertime in Kenai with the wind, you're looking for some sun to blow, you know, when, when that wind's blowing on you out there. So, but our field looks good. We really looked good last year. So we're hoping the snow, it, it all depends on the snow, how the field turns out in the spring. So we're hoping we'll get another good look at good looking field for the season. So, so it's the team has been playing in the exact field for the entirety of the, of the history of for the 50 team. 50 years, as far wow. as I know, they, they've been right in that spot. Yeah. Hmm. Is that something that like, you know, these members who've been around for a long time, the, this founding member that you mentioned or other other, you know, folks who are still involved who've been here the whole time, is that meaningful to them that playing in the same spot, keeping oh, that yeah. history? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, they they really want to see it get upgraded. You know, being a nonprofit, we have limited funds on what we can do, but we're working on some things with the city possibly and the borough to see if we can't, you know, we really need we really need our press box redone you mm. know we redid the bleachers last year the prep the uh main seating area there we we redid all the wood put the seats back and we got it looking real nice but our our press box needs some attention so we're we're working on some things to try to raise money and get some things together so we can get a new press box built and i think that would change the way the whole stadium looked. what are some other 
other sort of infrastructure priorities that the team has? Is there anything else that needs to get fixed or would be a, a dream build? I, I have a list. <laughs> I have a long list. You know, there's no bathroom in the clubhouse for the kids. Uh, no showers for the kids. That would, I, that drives me crazy. I, I, at least a bathroom if you don't have showers. So that the press box and getting the kids away, they don't have to walk out into the crowd during the game to use the bathroom. Uh, we'd like to, that would be a high priority. We have the room over there for it and we could add to it. So we're just trying to figure out that being the biggest thing would be a bathroom and shower in the clubhouse. Uh, a whole new clubhouse would be the dream, but you know, you got a little steps to start with, but our press box <clears throat> is getting to a point to where it's, it's almost a hazard. You know, you can feel that baby rocking up there when you're in it. So uh, we want to try to get that straightened out. You know, we need that. And you mentioned that the bleachers were redone last year, last yeah. season. Um, was that like a big capital campaign for the team? Was that something that, you know, like took a lot of, you know, work on the on the finances side to get that done. Well, they we purchased the wood and then we brought in volunteers to help. Uh, my father in law being one of the big volunteers that came in, I, I did some work on them. Our board president Mike Tice did some work on there, and uh, we brought in some prisoners from the jail over here, and they did a heck of a good job. Actually, I'm, we're going to get them back again this year because they'll do they'll work as hard as, as as you want them to as long as you provide them a nice lunch so that's what they're looking forward to but they did a really good job we're going to try to get them back to help me do some things around the park before the season starts this year seems like there's a real level of community involvement and f fan involvement friend involvement when it comes to getting these projects done how how important is that um the community around the team to it's getting it's things done? the most important uh we have really missed out the last five years on sponsors. Uh, we haven't had somebody that could go out and do the things that needed to be done. Uh, kind of lost some interest in COVID year. You know, everything went sideways with COVID. But we're really, I, I really go after the sponsors. That's a big thing for us. Uh, we have bingo, a bingo hall at the Oilers. And that's the, our main, that's what drives the Oilers is our bingo. And it's been way down and we're trying to figure out how to bring it back some too. But I'm out every day getting new sponsors and probably worrying people to death and say, oh, this guy's, here he comes again, you know. But as far as, I've had very little pushback on people saying no. You know, it's been all yeses. It's been a really good situation for us to get getting money through the community. So I'm real happy with where we are with that right now. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Peninsula Oilers General Manager Derek Foote about his goals for the team and the behind-the-scenes experience of managing its finances. This is the Kenai Conversation. Stay tuned. So are, are the Oilers exclusive sources of revenue sponsors and the the charitable gaming aspect which is bingo and pull tabs as well right pull tab we have a pull tab room that's open and uh we have our bingo that's open at night so those two were the bingo being the real driving force and bingo being down somewhere and we're trying to figure out why you know what we can do to get the younger people in there to play some bingo you know and it's the the telephones and the social media has kind of captured everybody and i think it's kind of hurt us on the bingo side but i think there's 
listen, I'm a believer in <clears throat> we can figure it out. You just give me some time. We can figure it out. So we're working on that right now. Was there a time when, when bingo's popularity was like successfully sustaining it the was, team's finances? It was unbelievable. It was off the chart. You know, Peggy Baxter, Mike Baxter, I mentioned him earlier, his wife ran bingo and it was really, really a big deal. Uh, I think some changes in the rules and changing in the gaming and <clears throat> the way the games will run maybe turn some people off. But, uh, you know, and it, it's not a fast game. It's a slow game. And I think with the things people do now, they like instant responses and instant gratifications. And I think we're just going to have to figure out what, what are they doing in other bingo halls to make bingo continue to be successful. So it's, I'm not, you know, I have to stay out of the bingo because of the gaming laws, but, you know, we're trying to work on that right now. Yeah. Are there, are there any ideas you've had for promoting or increasing the popularity of that? I'm just a big, I'm a, I'm a big believer in seeing people. I just, I've never been, a you know, doing the oil and gas business and other things I've done in the oil and gas and my business. I just have never, never had great success with trying to do business through text messages, phone calls, or emails. I like to go see people and that some, it drives some people crazy, but you know, it's harder for somebody to say no, if they're looking into your eyes, you know, or, or say what you don't want them to say, you know, they can do whatever over the phone and they can do whatever over an email. But I, I'm, I'm a, I like things to go fast. I like for it to get done and let's move on to the next thing. And then I'm a, I'm a big, I'm, I've put a lot of miles on my vehicle going around the last year, seeing people, I see everybody face-to-face if I can. And to be honest with you, the only pushback I've had are people that I couldn't get a hold of in person. So my theory and the way I do it evidently must be working pretty good. So when you're seeking sponsorships, are there particular industries you're targeting, particular types of businesses, or are you just anyone here who wants to support the team? You'll, yeah, we have, a, have. we have a program, ball game buyouts that we have uh, that – is more for bigger companies. You know, uh, we want to try to push the ball game buyout, which is if you build a ball game buyout, that'll give you uh, 250 tickets that you can disperse yourself or the first 250 people to come through the gate is free. And that's, that is what we push for ball game buyouts. Then we had our fence sign and fence sign is, you know, $1,250 is a fence sign, which is very cheap. And uh, that gives you, you know, for smaller businesses, that's that's our number one seller. We sold out 14 games last year out of 24, and my goal was to sell out all 24 this year. So we raised about $50,000 last year in three months. So I'm, I'm getting ahead of it this year to try to double that. How many spots do you have on the, on the fence for signs? And endless <laughs> if you can make it happen? <laughs> Well, we're having a, we're having to have that conversation, which is a good one. We're running out of sign space, so we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do. Are we going to build some extra, you know, two levels to put some more signs up? But yeah, I've told all the sponsors, don't worry, you'll have a sign. We just got to figure out how we're going to do it. So I think I have about one or two spots left. So we're I'm in the process of talking to to some guys that might be able to build us up a second level where we can at least run eight or ten more signs across there. It changes the game. It changes the ground rules of the game too. So we have to be careful with that. So that's funny, but that's not a bad problem to have. It's never a bad problem. So, (laughs) 
we're 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 going to get it. You know, we we have I've got some ideas, so we're working on it. Interesting, and it and I mean, it seems obvious that having more money and more sponsors would be good for the team. But in terms of like on a practical level, in terms of what you can accomplish as a team, what you can do for the team if you have more sponsors, more fundraising, what are what are some of the things that you can do when, when there's more revenue coming in. We could provide a better quality of uniform would be the first thing. And we could do that more often. You know, we have to pinch pennies, you know, to, to try to get through this. I would like to see personally major league baseball, get a little more involved in this or some of the sporting, you know, Rawlings Wilson provide some stuff for these guys. You know, we have to buy our own baseballs, which is a huge expense, but you know, it's the it's it's like in life if you the more money you have the easier it seems to be to do things you know and that's you know basically we're not we're not a huge spending team we want to but i would like to see us you know the, there's a lot of people that take pride in the oilers and we want to look good and I, I was told when i played by a football player that played in the nfl it's when you look good you feel good you play good so we want to kind of keep that going for them and I think you mentioned earlier that with more funding, you might do more scouting trips or things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, the better if I can get out and see guys. You know, you, you we get a lot of videos sent to us, but it's it, as a baseball guy, it's very very hard to look at a video because you're going to see the best of the best on their videos. You know, and if we could afford to send me out to see some guys and connect with the coaches, because the the good thing we have with having me here. It, with coaches is coaches are scared to send pitchers places because they're scared they're going to get overused not taken care of and i've had several coaches say well, man we'll send you whoever we got you know because we know they're going to be taken care of their pitch count's going to be right you know we're not going to overuse them and we say we're going to they have a pitch limit we're going to send them home you know that's that's how we do it here and that's the big thing is is you know getting us better quality players if i can go see some people which would help if we could get some sponsor money in, send me out a few people. We put a better quality on the field because I told them last year, I don't mind doing this, but I don't want to get my butt kicked every summer. You know, I want to win. I'd like to win this league. You know, it'd be nice. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Peninsula Oilers general manager Derek Foote about his goals for the team and the behind the scenes experience of managing its finances. This is the Kenai Conversation. Stay tuned. On on the subject of the team's finances, do you want to talk about the fundraiser event for the 50th anniversary? Yeah, we are, we're having our 50th anniversary fundraiser uh, March 9th, 5 o'clock. Uh, we're going to have a wall of guns. We're going to have our ticket sales are going to be $50. And we're going to have a meal catered by Kenai Catering. Uh, we're going to have split the pot. We're going to have silent auction. We're going to have a live auction, which I have three of the live auction uh, prizes now are going to be a two-night, one-day fishing trip on the Kenai River and a two-person fly-out 
fishing trip upon availability. We're, we're working on the language of that right now. And then uh, an ATEC fishing cleaning table, which is a stainless steel, really nice table. It's built very well. And we've got two more prizes we're working on now for our big live auction prizes. So uh, our event's going to be at the Bingo Hall there in Kenai, where we have bingo. And it's going to start at 5 o'clock, $50 a ticket. And then we're going to wall of guns are going to be $50 a piece to purchase for wall of guns. And there's going to be seven of those. So, How many seats are open for the event or how many tickets are you selling? We're going to try to sell 100, 120, right in that, that range. So uh, I'm not sure where we are with that right now. We have a committee. <laughs> we have a committee for everything with the Oilers. So uh, there's a committee that's running that. So I, I've been trying to get them donations and prizes while I've been out getting sponsors, but, uh, we did sell a, our head table today. So there's tables, tables available at $350. And I think you get eight seats with that. So, uh, those are the things we're doing. Uh, our committee members are out working hard and we're going to do a big ticket push this weekend and next week to try to sell some tickets. Cause we're, we're lacking on that side of, of getting tickets sold, but we're, we're working on it. Awesome. And then in terms of the, the 50th anniversary season, um, you alluded to looking for, looking for a winning season for the team. What are some of your hopes for this upcoming season? Well, we want to play good and keep guys here. We had a big problem last year with guys going home. You know, it's uh, the kids have changed over the years and, Sometimes when they don't get exactly or they aren't playing good, they just say, well, I'm ready to go home. And that's not going to fly with me being the general manager. And, and we've we've developed a deposit this year. So, guys, if they want to go home, they're going to have to tell mommy and daddy why they want to go home and why they're going to lose their deposit. You know, if you're injured, I get it. We'll send you home, no problem. We're not going to keep anybody here and, you know, make them stay. But – if you commit and you sign a contract to play, we expect you to play the same way you would if you were going to play pro baseball. So, uh, but if we can keep last year, if we'd have kept the guys we had here healthy and the, all the guys here, we'd had a chance to win. We were doing, we were playing well and we had pitching and we had the things we needed. So hopefully we got that this year and we can, we can keep guys here and keep them, keep them happy and, and, uh, win a championship. When does the season begin? Our first game is on the road. We start on the road again this year, which I didn't want to happen, but it's where our first home game is June 18th. So okay. we'll be home June 18th. We got 24 games at home and uh, goes right through June and July. And then the, the championship is the first week of August. So. Got it. Yeah. Having that first game of the season on the road kind of takes the air out of the the celebratory nature of the it first does. game it does and you know that's you know this league has had we had a commissioner this past year and we don't have a commissioner this year so we you know the league has been set in its ways and guys have kind of done the same thing they've been doing for years and years and years and, and uh, we're trying to get where we don't have to start on the road every year and we don't have to take 10 day road trips. So I did get that knocked down to like seven or eight day road trips this year. So that helped a little bit, but we, we, we would have liked to start it here at home, but next year we, we're definitely going to have eight or 10 days here first for sure. So. Yeah. What is, what is your longest travel you'll do this season? To Palmer, 
Palmer, oh. you know, it was Palmer and we do Anchorage has two teams. Uh, the Chinooks are in Eagle river and the Matsu miners are in Palmer. So we actually start hotel. We stay in is in Palmer. So it's not a bad place to stay during the summer. It's pretty nice in Palmer. Got it. Um, and then the season starts in June, but I assume training begins long before then. Um, when do when do the players arrive, and what does the training season look like? Yeah, they're going to start rolling in here the first of June. We uh, our first game, I don't think, is still the ninth, so we'll have a week of trying to get the guys see where they're at and give them let them hit a little bit, get them settled in a little bit. But it's so scattered with their with their schedule that they uh, they come in at different times. I think I made. 20 trips to the Anchorage airport last year to get pickup guys. So they're, they're scattered out, but we try to set it up what we're in, when we were in Anchorage that they're coming in while we're up there so we can take them right to the ballpark to play. But they'll be hopefully this year. I haven't seen the schedule yet and we probably won't know quite. It's a little early, but hopefully we can get them here all on time because that cost, we had some guys roll in late and we, Lost a few ball games, so we're trying to get them to wear out. We can, you know, not lose because you can't lose many games in a forty-eight game, you know, schedule and make the playoffs and be, you know, try to win a championship. So we try to keep these guys, get them here, and keep them here. Interesting. I was forgetting that they're in college, and so their their yeah. <laughs> academic yeah their year goes right up until yeah, then. I mean, they they have finals that go over, and then they have you know they're playing in their league championships too with their teams. So it just depends on a lot of different things for them. Interesting. So in terms of the the dynamic of the team when they arrive, I mean, that's a pretty short time from arriving and meeting each other to playing games. You know, what's your what's your plan for sort of cultivating a team dynamic with such a short timeline between meeting and playing? You know, it's, it's funny because you get drafted and when they have the baseball draft, they draft you and whatever time you sign, however long it takes you to figure out your contract, then you just go to this team. And there's a lot of us to just show up, you know, and it takes a little time because you got guys that have been there maybe a year, uh, but you get it figured out, you know, guys are there to play and, you know, they want to see the best And you. And this is a good, you know, pro ball is a little different because you get, you know, you got a high draft. You got a guy that's been catching, and then you, they draft a catcher high, so that catcher's going to come in and play right away. So the other guy gets a little bit upset, but you don't have that here. You know, you're, everybody's going to play. Everybody's going to get a chance. That's what I like about it here. You know, this isn't about you know we want to win, but we want everybody to play. They're here to play and and work on some things that their coaches have asked them to. So it's a good situation for them. They they figure it out real quick. So like jealousy or like these sort of hierarchies don't maybe exist in the same way that they do in the no, major leagues. No, this is, you know, the major in pro baseball, you're trying to get to the major leagues. It's always great to win, but when you get to the major league is when you want to win. Getting there is kind of individual. Let's see if I, how quick I can get there to make some money. You know, <laughs> this, these kids here, they want to get better so they can have a chance to start the next year and be competitive. So they do a good job. I was proud of the boys this year. They, we did, a, they did a good job with you know, we didn't have any problems off the field and and uh, they worked hard on the field. So I was pretty happy with that. So there still is a, a strong developmental aspect, even if 
even if they're mostly just playing games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they'll ask questions. They, you know, they're out there hitting in the cage before working on some things. Uh, you know, I have a indoor hitting cage over near Longmere Lake and they go over there and hit when it's not good weather or on their day off. So we got some good places for them to work on some stuff and I'm always available. Like I said, I don't push it on them, but if they want some help, I'd be glad to help them. Awesome. Well, is there anything else looking forward to this season that you'd want locals or fans to know? I'd like to get people to come to ball games. You know, we have a great beer garden. Our food is really good. These these are the things that when I got hired, I was kind of questioning. Is it going to be like high school? You know, is it high school? It's, it's not. You know, it, our food is really good. And, and, and being from the South, you know, we're all about some food, you know. So uh, the food's good. We have good people working behind there. The service is good. Our beer garden is great. We have great beer. We have, we're going to have uh, Kenai Brewery this year and Cassocks out there. Uh, we're going to do some promotions in the beer garden this year. We're going to do some Yeti Cup sales out there where you buy. We hadn't quite figured out how we're going to do it, but you can buy a Yeti Cup for the season and you get free refills for the season. Different things that we're trying to do to to get people to come support the Oilers. But, you know, it's it's just a we just like to make the Oilers an event. You know, some of the stuff the Brown Bears do is an event in the community, and we would like to have that event come to the Oilers where, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Well, we're going to go see the Oilers, you know. So we're, we're I'm working on how we can create the, the Oilers to be an event for people to come to. But we did fairly well last year. We had a good crowd, but I'd like to see it double. That would be good. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know the Brown Bears have some traditions at their games and, and sort of audience attendee interaction you know things that that make it more of an event or are are you looking to integrate anything like that into the games or or you know do you have your sights set on any ways to make it more of an event we do we last year i implemented i carried around a yeti bag last year and sold beer right out of the yeti bag like in the major league stadium you know and people loved it so I didn't really have time to be doing that, but I did it several <laughs> times. And But I have some girls this year that want to do it and, and are willing to work for tips. So we're going to have some girls come out this year and sell beer right out of the bag through our you know square machine, and it works really good. People don't have to get up yeah. and go anywhere, and, and we come right to you. And we're, we're thinking about doing some other things, having guest bartender night from some of the bartenders here in town that have a local following to get people to come to the ball games. Awesome. And we have Scoop. And don't forget about Scoop. We have our mascot Scoop, and he does a real good job. And we we fire up some some shirts and some souvenirs, some swag up into the stands. So we'll be doing that again this year. Yeah, remind me about the exact nature of Scoop. <laughs> Scoop's a big red hairy thing that <laughs> that just runs around the field. We don't really know where he, he just kind of showed up one day. So, but. Uh, he does a good job, and, and he's very friendly, and the kids love him, and uh, we're going to try to implement him more this year and doing things. We did last year, we did some base running competitions with fans for the, little, for the kids, and they loved it, so we're going to do all that again this year. What exactly is Scoop? I don't know what Scoop <laughs> is. Scoop's kind of a – I don't he's red, and he's – he's big <laughs> so i i don't know exactly what he is it's, it's kind of like the philly fanatic kinda. i was gonna say that's not unique in baseball to have a, a mascot that's just a an indeterminate creature creature yeah i mean well you got the philly fanatic you know yeah. that was one of my favorites growing up and then you had the san diego chicken which was a big one back in the day and uh 
the Braves, they had uh, oh, his, I can't remember what his name was, but the Indian guy, and he was great. You know, Chief Chief. I can't remember what he was. Chief something. I can't remember what it was, but they, you know, mascots used to be huge, and now they're not. But we have one, and kids love. I think it's great. We got a mascot. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a full time person who who does? Who is the mascot? Or we do. Okay, we do. He he does a great job, and he's it, 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 that suit is not cool during the summer, even no. in Alaska. So he does a good job, and we're we're glad to have him. Yeah, I can't imagine that's the most comfortable no, clothing it's experience, not, especially running in it. When you're running that thing, is not fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I that's like a whole art unto it itself. It is. <laughs> uh, well, as we're as we're winding down here, is there anything we didn't talk about about the team, the 50th anniversary, your own experience that you wanted to mention? No, I just think we just a shout to the community. You know, I'd be glad to meet with anybody that would like to help the Oilers. We, we're looking for help. We're looking for sponsors. We're looking for the community to get involved. Anything that uh, you have in mind, run it by me. I'm a, I'm an idea guy. I like ideas, and I'm you know I don't shoot ideas down, especially if they're good ideas. So. I'm out and about every day, and you know you can reach me uh, anytime, you know, via email or my phone number, on, you know, from the Oilers. Just give them a call, and uh, I'll be glad to to go anywhere. And you know, I do some teaching baseball on my own too, and I'll be doing some free clinics this as we get closer. Plus, the the Oilers do free clinics also. They'll be doing one in Homer, Saldotna, Seward uh, this summer, right at the beginning of the season. So. We don't have a date for those yet, but those will, they happen every year. So we're doing them again this year. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me and chatting through the Oilers. Yeah, I appreciate you having me and let's go Oilers. And that's all for this episode of the Kenai Conversation. Thanks to Derek Foote for joining us. You can hear the Kenai Conversation every week on Wednesday at 10 a.m. and Saturday at 5 p.m. here on KDLL. Or you can find it on our website, kdll.org. I'm Rayleigh Board. Thanks for tuning in.